On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of See Here is dedicated to the king of the Texas troubadours, one Mr. Towns Manzahe. Podcast. My name is Morris, and I have on the other end of a Skype connection, uh, see here regular Mr. Bernard Stickwell from Buff. Uh, good, good afternoon to you, sir. Good, uh, good evening to you, Morris. Good night, even. <laughs> in, 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 indeed, it is. It is nice. Not here. far off. Yeah. Uh, I, I love. I love these uh, international datelines. It's 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 wonderful. You know, we each get a different experience of the world, and um, we've invited as a special guest. Here on the See Here podcast, Mr. Davy McLemore, Houston represent Texas. Good, good uh, morning to you. <laughs> it what is a, indeed morning. Wonderful, wonderful to uh, have you as uh, as guest on the show. Now um, we've recently, um, you and I have recently spoken on uh, Love That Album, so uh, it's good to uh, be able to speak with you again over over the uh, interwebs. And we're going to be doing some well, movie it, talk this time. Yeah, it's a pleasure to uh, uh, to, to be here. I, I, I really appreciate it, and this is a, a true favorite for me. So it's 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 really exciting for me to talk to to you know you guys about. Uh, this this uh, this film. Well, we should make mention. This was uh, this time it was uh, Bernie's choice. Now, actually, it was going to be my choice of film this month. Uh, but um, what had happened was uh, our, our uh, beloved Tim Merrill uh, went away to uh, Canada for a couple of weeks, and he only just got back today, and he's absolutely fried. Uh, he's, he's gone to sleepy buys. You uh, heard him in the intro there, but uh, uh, that was it was very good of him to send that to us, but. Um, he basically thought, all right, we're given the night off and we'll um, cover Allegro Non Troppo, which is uh, the film that we'll now do in September rather than this month. And uh, so I said, all right, Bernie, what would you like to choose? It would have been your turn next, so we'll just swap around. And um, you've chosen Heartworn Highways. And he um, said, well, who, who can we get to, um, uh, to take Tim's place for the month? And, and you know, really, Davey Mack was, uh, was the obvious choice. Yeah, it had to be Davey, couldn't be anyone else. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that uh, in a few minutes. Uh, and I should also say that our beloved Wendy Freeman, Wendy, 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 you really ought to get an alarm clock that works. She may actually show up you know, sometime later on in the show. We're, we're you know, keeping the Skype line open, so here's hoping. But uh, you know, we, we waited for a little while, and uh, we thought we'd get a start. And if she comes on, fantastic. And... If not, well, hopefully she'll be ran for the next show. Uh, so, but before we um, go discussing Heartworn Highways, 
let's just talk a little bit about um, what we've been listening to or watching of, of uh, recent. So, Davey, you being our guest, one one album and one film that uh, really impressed you, or maybe not impressed you, over the last few weeks. Oh, well, uh, I, I tell you, it, it, as a store, uh, when I get stationed in the... Uh record branch uh there's a copy of east side story by squeeze that, oh, that i, I, I uh, have, have not uh, that, that for some reason has not sold <laughs> and and uh but man i'll play that thing incessantly i just i i really love that record and uh you know it's one of those uh few funny things it's like one of those what three records by uh that, that's produced by Elvis costello that, that's you know one of those little bits of music trivia that that uh um, uh, uh, well, I guess there's probably more now, but, now, but, but I, I uh, really, that, yeah, I, I just wanted to interject something. I really want to know exactly what he did in terms of production because I read, um, I read somewhere that I can't remember. Was there a Pogues album that he was supposed yeah, was, to be the producer on? It was a uh, Rum Sodom in the Lash or Devil for the Grace of God, and I believe he did two fifths of Fuck All. Uh, yeah, I, well, I think see, that, what, so I'm wondering whether he did anything on the Squeeze album. He just sort of showed well, up. Well, I, I don't know because it's it, it's it's. I mean, you know, it, 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 I, I I mean that's just one of those bits of music trivia that, that that has always been with me. That it's that and the English Beat record and and uh, East Side Story. Um, but uh, um, but uh, I, I I don't I, honestly I don't know if there's there's a story behind that or not. That that, that uh, um, it, if he had. Uh, less or more to do with with the uh, the things but god damn that's a good record <laughs> yeah but those, all, all those early ones they're, they're all absolutely fantastic and i've sort of been tossing up between whether i want to cover that one or argy bargy on uh, oh yeah no no totally. I, I saw him on argy bargy at, at uh at Fitzgerald's in, in houston on that tour so that was uh but um uh the, the, the only time i've seen him but uh man what a great band mm-hmm. I, I just i, I adore him and, uh, about I can't remember how many years ago it was. Uh, oh no, actually, sorry. I saw I saw Glenn Tilbrook on tour for the first time, and I remember it was uh, September tenth, <laughs> two thousand and one, the what? day before I, September eleventh. Yeah, yeah. So that's why that sticks out in my mind. But uh, he came here like about three times. I think his um, his ex wife had moved to Australia, so he came here a few times to see his kids. And figured, yeah. oh, he might as well tour. And I don't think Squeeze ever toured Australia. So um, I got to see him uh, on all three occasions. The first couple of times he played just himself and a guitar. And he's a one-man band, an incredible yeah. guitar player. Oh, and um, the, thir- the third time he had... Um, we-, we have a show here called Rock Quiz, which um, yeah. is basically a punters from the audience uh, get on stage and answer all sorts of rock trivia stuff. And they have an absolutely crack band, you know, some of the... Uh, you know, really terrific musicians who've played in some classic Australian bands. And he'd been an, a guest on one of those shows, and uh, he came back and said, right, I want you guys to be my pickup band. And So I've never seen Squeeze, oh, but it was wow. like seeing Squeeze, seeing Glenn Tilbrook play yeah. with these guys who just had the Squeeze down, sound down perfect. So. Wow. No, that's that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's I, I would love to, you know, uh, I, I was so into it at, at the time, uh when I saw them, but I, I don't know. They, they've just always been a favorite band to me. And, and it, it's, and that record is just like, you know, playing over and over again. I just don't, it don't, it don't get old to me. So no, some, some great pop there. And, and what's a, what's a film? I mean, obviously you watch lots of films, but, but well, what's, what's something I, that you I, watched really recently that just really stood out to you? 
Well, I, I t- well, uh, it's not going to be a new thing. It's going to be something I've watched uh, again. It's it's almost like like uh, uh, Eastside Story, but uh, uh, that uh, Criterion uh, Blu-ray of uh, Michael Mann's Thief is just like pretty much not left my player, um, or not not left <laughs> nice. the, the stand on my TV. Uh, I, I I just adore that movie. I mean, it, it's just everything, of, and you know, I'm no tough guy or anything like that. But it's just like everything I love about um, just that kind of manly, like, like I'm gonna, you know, I of, of a uh, uh, well, I guess it's an antihero if you want to say it, but uh, um, like, you know, <laughs> no, nah, I'm not gonna take this. I'm taking care of business uh, stuff <laughs> that. that uh, I, I don't know. It's just, it never gets old to me. I can just sit there and look at it. And it's just a gorgeous film. And that, that transfer for the Blu-ray is amazing. And to listen to the, uh, that commentary between, uh, James Kahn and, and, uh, um, and, uh, Michael Mann is, it's really something else. Um, it, it's, it's one of the, um, just most warm, uh, two guys that were, involved in something that were, I mean, they, they knew what the deal was and, uh, and they, they were like, you know, uh, uh, you know, just completely on board or whatever, but, and, 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 and have a memorable, and there's tons of great stories about it, but, um, like all the, uh, cause it was in Chicago and, and I guess all the, they had a, uh, separate bar or whatever for the, the, uh, um, well, they kind of had a private bar for the, for, for the film crew, but all the second city guys like John Belushi and all those dudes were, were showing up, uh, to, uh, sit there and drink with them after hour after they got done shooting and stuff. So it's just like, it, it's just an amazing commentary, but, uh, but anyway, it, it, that, that is really one of my favorite films and that Criterion uh, uh, version of it here. I mean, you know, I, I loved my Blu-ray and watched the, you know what out of it, but, uh, um, <laughs> But 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 but, uh, but this this Blu-ray thing is it, it takes it to another level and and uh, watching it on the big TV and and uh, I, I I don't know I it's I, I don't know what I can say about it that I haven't said before on the groups but it, it's just a I think it's a really superior action film and it's just amazing I mean you know the, a lot of the the emotional beats in it are are, are just I mean the that that scene the the diner scene between him and 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 I'll shit I'll push it on the group but. That uh, between him and Tuesday Weld, where they kind of suss out their relationship, is just one of my favorite things that I've ever seen. It, it's it's just so um, I don't know. You know, it's it's like if you want to you know if you want to uh, curtail uh, Michael Mann to Heat or Miami Vice or whatever, um, I, watch this movie. It's it's just like it's it's a. I mean, I, th- I think it's it's a, a kind of a tour de force all around. You know, from the acting to the direction uh to uh to you know it, it's just i, I think it, it, it's i mean when shit happens at the end when shit happens in that movie it happens mm. and it's like and it's it's a it's it's magnetic and it's like it, it's it, it things mean something in that movie which is you know something that, that often you don't i mean very often you don't find i mean you know uh actions have consequences and you know and 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 uh and all uh Jimmy Kahn just uh, he burns it down, so uh, it's 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 a wonderful film, and and I love it. So anyway, but that that, that would be shame. my film. Oh, dude, well, Morris, <laughs> wow! Yeah. I gotta say, uh, gotta say, guys, as well, that's got a fantastic soundtrack. 
That's a tangerine, tangerine right on top of their game with that one. Amazing. Yeah, it's, I love the whole thing. So, Bernie, your two for the week or for the month. Okay. Um, well, I'll start with uh, a CD. Uh, mm. Again, it's not a new one. It's uh, an old favourite, which I've been going back to quite a bit right. the last few weeks. Uh, a band from Athens, Georgia, but not oh. R.E.M. No, I was going to say R.E.M. <laughs> not R.E.M. No, uh, a band called uh, Harvey Milk. Oh, you cool. ever heard of these guys? Yeah. Well, yeah. I've heard, of, I've heard um, of the real life figure, but not the band. Yeah, well, obviously they're they're named for the real life figure, but um, they're a sort of renowned, a sort of avant-garde sludge metal kind of band. Sure. Which uh, now that might sound uh, like it's not quite your cup of tea, but they did one album in oh, I can't remember what year it was, early two thousand, two thousand four, something like that, perhaps, uh, called the Pleaser. Um, which is it's tremendous. It's basically them channeling ZZ Top, ACDC, and Led Zeppelin. Hmm. Um, and it Fucking is just a. one of the most, the greatest upbeat sort of party punk stroke metal kind of albums out there. It's just fantastic. Every song is a winner. Every song is a real sing-along. Um, some great musicianship. Uh, their uh, guitarist and singer, this guy called Creston Spears, He's got an amazing voice for a star, a real great sort of rough, gravelly rock and roll voice. Um, and he just like tosses out these amazing guitar solos that are just, you know, they make this, the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a great, upbeat, fantastic, fun album. Yeah. Um, so yeah, check it out. The Pleaser by Harvey Milk. Really, really good. Do you know that one, cool. Dave? I, I, I mean, we've got it at the shop, but I haven't listened to it. But I, I, I guarantee you, I'll listen to it on Monday. So. I was going to say, dude, put it on, crank it right up, man. It's uh, yeah, that's my, that's yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's real good. I tell you what, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, that's my musical choice. Um, Film-wise, seen quite a few things recently. Uh, we've been going to our local art house cinema quite a bit. Um, saw a bunch of stuff of late, but the one that really stood out and has really kicked my ass. Uh, is Boyhood, Richard Linklater. Oh, that, that's wow. coming out here in, a, in about three, four weeks. I'm very keen to see So it. good. i I got to say, Morris, being a father, as you are, um, I think it will just kill you, man. It's just unbelievable. That's, that's Unbelievably good. Told. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you don't need to be a father to appreciate it, because I'm not a father, and uh, I certainly appreciated it, but it's... It's just so beautifully done, and it could have so easily been... I mean, you know the premise of it, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's following one boy from the age of five through to the age of 18, and mm. uh, he sh- started shooting it in 2000, I guess. Mm. Um, his daughter is in it as well. She plays uh, the main guy's sister. Uh, she's great. Patricia Arquette is in there, and Ethan Hawke. Uh, they are both great. Um, but, yeah, as I said, it, it could have been so schmaltzy, but he just totally sidesteps that, and he just... You know, the the emotive punch is really there. It really grabs you, but there's not a, an ounce of schmaltz in it, you know? No. Um, and what he does a really fantastic job of is he shows all the important points. Well, not all of the important points, but he shows some important points, but a lot of the, the sort of boring, mundane stuff as well. And it all gets kind of equal billing, equal weights, uh, and certain things, you know, which you assume would have been fairly major points in this guy's life are just sort of refer to after the facts and then you'll get just like this beautiful little shot of him walking down an alleyway with some sort of girl he's kind of got a crush on kind of talking to her about maybe going to a party or something um and it just man it just gets you right in the right in the chest 
just fantastic. And the main guy, I can't for the life of me think of uh, his name at the moment. I'll look it up on IMDb because uh, he deserves a shout out. Mm. Um, two and I think it's two and three quarter hours long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but I believe, you know I believe it's a one hour, two and three quarter hour film. It's uh, yeah, 165 minutes. But um, I got to say, when that the credits rolled at the end, I was kind of like, "Is that it? Is there not more?" <laughs> That's all. Uh, nice, nice. So yeah, the the, the main guy, uh, he's called uh, L. R. Coltrane, and uh, man, he's stupendous. He's just a natural, an absolute natural. And it's it's just such a beautiful, beautiful film, and really life affirming and. Tremendous! I can't recommend it enough. Actually, is easily in my top three this year. I think so far. So, that's a big um, yeah, you got to check it out. Really, really good. Uh, looking forward awesome. to it. As I said, I think it starts here mid to late September. So, um, I mean, the first I'd heard anything about it, I was listening to uh, another podcast called um, uh, just called the Film Podcast, which I think you know, Eric Reanimator uh, does a lot of work involved with, and uh, the host of that, uh, Ricardo was uh, raving about it a few weeks ago and, and just thought, oh, this sounds interesting. Ah, Link Ladder, all right, okay. And um, Yeah, he basically said, you know, I'm, not, I'm no father, but this had really an emotional punch. Yeah. So I thought, all right, yep, okay. Honestly, Sol- Morris, I think, it'll, uh, I think it'll kill you, Morris, just, you know, in the best possible way, you know. Uh, no, just amazing. All right. Um, all right, so uh, let's see. What have I been watching? Um, all right, I'll quickly... Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> A film that um, I guess was on my list of shame. I seem to have a lot of those, but um, one that I watched uh, just the other night was uh, Night in the City, uh, Jules Dassin. Oh. Um, after after listening to the gentleman and um, uh, Red Waffle Paul talk about Refefe on uh, The Gentleman's Guide <laughs> to Midnight Cinema, I, I got round to watching you know, that film a few weeks ago and, and just was absolutely blown away. I think I'd watched Brute Force, uh, the, the oh, Lancaster yeah, film. <laughs> and and I've I got to confess, that was probably a little too melodramatic for my liking. It wasn't like the tough yeah. prison film I was sort of hoping it was going to be. So I just you know, thought, all right, well, maybe you know, Jules Dessen's not for me. But then I watched Rafifi and thought, oh, man, so good. Absolutely. That's going to be in my, you know, whatever, top three first-time watches for the year. Um, and then um, I, I you know, dug out my copy of Night in the City. and thought, oh, I should watch that. And um, I, I think it's nearly every bit as good as Rafifi. Oh, and yeah. Just, you know, Richard Widmark, just... Every time you know, greed makes him do something, you just want to smack him at the back of the head. No, you're fucking your life up. What the hell are you doing? And what a great cast. And um, it really captured a spirit, really captured a mood there. And it just, oh, man, I, I just absolutely fell for that. There was, I mean, there, was, there wasn't like a set piece like in uh, Rafifi, like, you know, obviously like a 28-minute uh, silent a, a jewelry heist or or that uh, that nightclub song or something like that but just it still really sort of struck me as more of a mood piece and or, or a, a a character assassination if you will you know the, yeah. the, the richard widmark character you just thought oh you just keep doing it for yourself you know don't do it don't do it but you know he will <laughs> um uh, just this this huckster and uh, what he what he does to himself but absolutely it, it really had me um uh it, it just really cornered me and absolutely sucked me in. so that's going to be a film i'm going to have to come back to again to really really soon absolutely love that 
Um, in terms of uh, music, oh, gosh, you know, I'm I'm putting myself on the spot here because I'm thinking oh, I listen to so much. What have I what have I listened? But I tell, okay, the CD. This is something I want to talk about. If you're a, if you're a, an Australian music fan of my age, this won't be anything new to you. But uh, there's uh, there's an artist I've actually spoken about him with Michael Persh on Love That Album before, uh, a guy called Richard Clapton, and like he's been around for forty odd years or something like that. But you might be interested in him, Dave, because uh, I, I know that our, um, our songwriter here, Paul Kelly, is uh, someone who you hold in the highest regard. Richard, I do. Richard Clapton, I guess, is to Sydney what Paul Kelly is to Melbourne. Although, mind you, Paul Kelly was originally out of Adelaide, but really we accept him as a Melbourneian because he came here fairly early. And um, yeah, Richard Clapton is just such a great songwriter. I mean, he, uh, he he's written a lot about the Sydney experience. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there that's got nothing to do with Sydney, but he wrote he, he, like back in a time where. Uh, I guess we accepted American songwriters were always sort of writing songs about you know their location wherever it was. I mean, a lot of Texan songwriters would be writing things about Texas, yeah. or or you know New York songwriters were writing about New York or LA. There wasn't so much of a thing about that in Australia. And I think in seventy five, nineteen seventy five, a group called Skyhooks just wrote this great album, Living in the Seventies, which is like you know if you were born in my age, every kid of you know back in the day, owned a copy of Living in the 70s. Uh, and it, that was a very Melbourne-centric album. And in recent years, a lot of artists have chosen to write songs about their location in Australia. Uh, but you know, back in the time when it wasn't so fashionable, there was Skyhooks, and there was Rich Clapton, who was also writing about Sydney. Um, and yeah, just a really, really great songwriter. I'm trying to think who to compare him to, I mean, or at least the early albums, maybe not so much The Great Escape, which is what we discussed on Love That Album, but uh, those early albums, I guess... Uh, they'd have something of a, a bit of a country flavour, but also I, I could sort of take from it a um, Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey, oh, Springsteen wow. era feel. So, um, it, like he had uh, albums, uh, his first album was an album called Prussian Blue, which I don't really think made much of a uh, an indent into the psyche, although you know, there's some great songs on it. But the, the really early singles, which are still like, you know, Top 40 radio, well, Golden Oldies radio fodder nowadays, you know, Girls on the Avenue, oh, Capricorn Dancer, you know, th these are like, you know, just part of the psyche. So anyway, what I've listened to, I've got like some of those early albums, but there was recently just, I think this $20, it was an incredibly great value, a three CD comprehensive box set of everything from then till like his latest album, which came out only about a year ago. Uh, and a DVD of um, a, a show he did, I think, in the 80s at a hard rock cafe uh, with, you know, with the cream of Australian musicians uh, at the time. So uh, if you're out there, if you, if you live in Australia, just go to you know, one of the local stores and $20, it's, it really, it's absolutely essential if you don't already have everything like from the early days. And even if you do, I mean, this is, you know, it, it's just a great compilation to have. Uh, and that with the DVD, twenty bucks. I mean, you can't go far wrong. So, um, uh, and the name awesome. of that, the name of, oh, sorry, I should actually remember the name of the. It's um, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the compilation. But you know, if you if you go to one of your JB Hi-Fi's or places like that, you'll find it. 
but yeah, a, a, an absolutely terrific uh, three CD set. I've gone through the whole thing a couple of times in the last couple of weeks so and watch the dvd so i'm really really loving that richard clapton in australia you know who i'm talking about outside search him up cool. uh, all right so before we go into uh talking about the film um before we go having a break uh we have a little bit of feedback yay so so nice to be appreciated now we have uh an email i'll uh read the email first and actually this is a, a fellow who uh, wrote to us last time bernie uh, Ger okay. Gerald Miglior. Uh, thanks, thanks a lot, uh, Gerald. Uh, it's nice to um, have some more feedback from you. So he says, uh, "Cheers, thanks. The intro music to your show is the best too." And I should just reiterate that uh, music was written and performed by my son Max. Um, but um, you know, well, he, he did he did mention it, so I've got to give him the plug. You know, but uh, that's okay. Um, introduce your boy to Emily Bear. Now, I had no idea who he was talking about. I've gone and looked her up on uh, on uh, YouTube, and it seems like she's some you know twelve year old or thirteen year old girl who's uh, who, who plays jazz uh, uh, jazz piano, and uh, is really very very impressive. I, I, I like I like what I saw, and uh, always you know, quite thrilled to see uh, young kids uh, digging their jazz and just generally great musicianship. Um, it's it's amazing to think about you know forty fifty years ago. You know, how, you know, we had all these uh, you know, great bands and the like who were inspiring kids to pick up a guitar and, and all that. But I, I don't know if you've seen this, um, either of you guys, but someone had posted something last year about like some some uh, young band. They're all like about 12, 13, 14, and they did a version of The Real Me by The Who. And oh. these guys... They were, I don't know. Didn't see that. I've got, to, I've got to find... I don't remember what their names were. It was just like amateur footage taken like in probably in a local church hall. But just incredible to think that these young kids nailed a song that it took the who... Like they were in their 30s when they recorded it. And, and yeah. oh, it's just absolutely amazing. This young 12-year-old kid behind the drums doing a moony. And, and there was this, uh, young, this young girl of about 13 or 14 who would have had... Um, Roger Daltrey saying, oh my goodness, you know, she was just <laughs> a sight to behold. She was just, she nailed it. Fantastic. So I, I, I really love uh, seeing that sort of stuff. So anyway, but yeah, this, this girl, Emily Bear, who uh, Gerald mentions, um, is really quite uh, an impressive piano player. Unfortunately, you know, social media being what it is, there was you know, one of the posts that I watched or read, uh, there was uh, someone had gone and written some horrible stuff, but there's always haters out there. Yeah, I don't know why, but um, but no, really, very impressive uh, young piano player. So anyway, uh, just to finish off, Gerald says, lastly, is Born in East LA a music parody? It's funny to me. Um, I'm thinking, I mean, just just the fact that it was was it uh, it wasn't a Cheech and Chong film. It was, but it was no, it was, uh, it was just yeah, Tom, it was Tommy. Like, it was Cheech Marin. Yeah, it was yeah, Cheech or... Marin. Uh, I think the fact yeah. that he was sort of like doing a parody of um, uh, Born in the USA doesn't make the film a a music parody, but I haven't seen the rest. But the impression I got was that it's not really a music related film apart from that parody of Springsteen's Born in the USA. Have either of you guys yeah. seen it? No, I can't say I have. No, no. Oh, there yeah, you go. I don't. If I did, I don't remember. <laughs> okay, it, so. okay, sorry, sorry, Gerald. The consensus is that it's not and probably doesn't qualify for this uh, podcast, but you know, hit up another podcast. I'm sure they'd love to talk about it anyway. But he says it's funny to me, so I'll go, I'll go check it out on your recommendation. Hopefully, it is a funny film. P.S. Thanks for the mention. I was flattered. <laughs> well, it's not like we're the GGTMC, but we're, 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 we're flattered, we're flattered that, that there's actually, yeah, we're flattered that there's actually someone out there who listens and takes the time to write in. So, Correct. Uh, thank, thank you, you very much. Yeah. So, um, so yep, keep, uh, keep sending stuff. 
stuff in, Gerald. We, we've got to have at least one person who writes into us. We also have some audio feedback, and I, I'm just beside myself, guys, because the one, the only Sylvester Stallone has taken time out from his busy muscle-building schedule and his full-time career of sending in feedback to Silver and Gold to send our humble little show some audio feedback. So here you go. Here's Sylvester Stallone. See here, podcast. This is Sylvester Stallone. Hey, yeah. It's me, Sly, you know. Fucking see here, podcast. You know, you got rid of these fucking films or music and shit, you know. But not once you come in one of my great musical fucking action movies, you know. The greatest action musical movies of all time, you know. Fucking films like Rhinestone, you know. Fucking starring me and Dolly Parton, you know. It's, that's an award-winning movie, you know. It's fucking, everybody loves that film, you know. It's got a great soundtrack. It's all fucking billions of copies, you know. Fucking get on that shit. Or other films, like the fucking, the Rocky movies, you know, everyone knows the theme music to the Rocky movies, everybody knows I of the Tiger, everybody knows the fucking song from Rocky Four that my brother Frank said, you know, every fucking loves the shit out of those fucking songs, you know, they fucking, they're musical films, you know, but maybe fucking filled with action, you know, fucking there's no action, who's gonna bother watching, you know, so yeah, there's those fucking Rambo, you know, people would class Rambo as a fucking musical film, but you know, the fucking the sound of the machine guns, that's like music to my ears, you know, those fucking bullets flying, those beautiful sounds right there, the sound of men going, ugh, as they get hit and fucking die and all that shit, you know, that's fucking, you know, for an action movie, that is the fucking beautiful noise that you get to experience, you know, so try that shit, you know, those fucking... My wrestling movie as well, you know, I forgot the fucking name of that one. I say the theme tune to that, you know. What, fucking Paradise Valley, what's down, close down. I forgot it was in that song, you know. If this could be heaven, then you could be hell. You know, it's fucking a beautiful song, you know. I fucking directed that one as well, it's great. You know, I got all these fucking musical films. You should fucking try and cover one of these fucking proper musical films. Not, not that it's weird shit you do, like, fucking girl, you know? Songs with real fucking meat in the real muscle. Fucking muscle songs, you know? That's all I'm saying, you know? Cover some of the real shit. That's what people want to hear. They want to fucking hear about action movies with music in them. That's where it's at. That's the future of musical film, you know? Get on that. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I think that that was the greatest podcast feedback of all time. So, um, yeah, I completely agree. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just Indeed. humbled that he did take the time to, uh, to do that to, you know, speak to us. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank you, Sly. Thank, thank thanks. you. Thanks indeed, and uh, I don't know, what do you reckon? I mean, Silver and Gold have already covered Rhinestone on their show. Do you, do you reckon that, you know, we should put our spin on it or? Or, or... One game we could cover it at some point. Maybe right. if we leave it a while, so that the the you know the silver and gold fallout is kind of settled. Right. And, right. Uh, that then we can do it properly. Yeah, a, a, a slight. You know, <laughs> we, we'd, we'd be honoured if you'd, you'd you know, consider to join us. You know, I mean, you, know, you can 
you can talk about you know wow. just re re mention what you that's, said about Dolly Parton on silver and gold, and you know you can bring it up on our show too. That's fine. I think this is a call out that Sly ought to just come on the show and cover the uh, and talk about his experiences on uh, rhinestone I, I, with Dolly. I think I'd like that. Yep. I tell you what, Sly, we'll yeah. cover rhinestone if you come on the show to do it. There you go. That's, yeah. well, uh, that's our I, I ice, that's our ice bucket knows. challenge to you. I know somebody who knows it, so uh, I'll, I'll put the suggestion out there and see uh, <laughs> see what happens. Yeah, yeah I, 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 like that, I like that idea a lot, yes. The only thing is, we'd all have to be in our underpants working out whilst we did it. <laughs> on, to, on top of a mountain doing something in our yeah. <laughs> in, our, in our underpants. Um, logs. Yeah. One, one more thing I ought to mention before we go to a break is that I was listening this weekend to the uh, all-time top 10 podcast, and this week's theme, as we're recording, was all uh, top 10 songs to wake up to. And Ben Eisen's guest was a, a regular to the show, a friend of his called David Daskal, who I I just, I love what he brings to this show. He's, he's a he's a, he's a really terrific uh, co-host, very funny. And his, all, his number one, his all-time top 10 song to wake up to was Eye of the Tiger. So, <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I thought, no, 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 it's Sly of the Tiger. Get it wrong. <laughs> My Get God, right. that was the that was the funniest. Do you remember that on Silver and Gold when he did Sly of the Tiger? That was the funniest thing yeah. ever. Yeah, it was. It's, it's oh, incredible. God. It was incredible. Yeah. It was the. It that was really the greatest, was. It, look, you know, I'm prepared to go on the record as saying that Sly of the Tiger is the greatest song of all time. That is it. Yeah. yeah forget it. No Burned into my brain. <laughs> when I think of Eye of the Tiger now, and I sing the, sing the lyrics in my head, I sing Sly's lyrics. I don't sing the actual. You know the original lyrics because oh, Sly original. just he took it to another level. Oh, he did. Oh, the, the the original is is like you know kindergarten, you know first time yeah. lyric writing. You know, compared to, absolutely, uh, absolutely. It's so, like it's like uh, it's like a five year old with mental health issues just you know scribbling <laughs> on a notepad compared to Sly's sort of magisterial hey, hey, rewrites. Uh, uh, all right. Look. Anyway, it's um, thirty two minutes in. Um, a bit a bit longer than our usual intro, but that's fine because we've been having a superb conversation. And what we'll do now, we'll go have a quick break, and um, then we'll come back to talk about heartworn highways. So we'll be back in a moment. <laughs> This is the ghost of the King of Comics, Jack Kirby. When I'm not haunting Stan Lee, I'm listening to my favorite comic book podcast, Double Page Spread. Each week, Wendy Freeman talks to creators like Cullen Bunn, Mark Wade, Evan Dorkin, and more. She is one cool dame who knows a lot about comics. So when I'm at my drawn board in heaven cranking out fourth world pages, I'm listening to Double Page Spread. Available on iTunes, Libsyn, and the Stitcher Network. Love and 
here, Dave over there, Bernie over the, even further there, I think, uh, and we're here on episode eight of the See Here podcast. Uh, no Tim, no Wendy, hopefully we haven't both back for uh, the next time for episode nine, uh, but we're here to talk about a film, originally filmed I believe in 1976, but not released till 1980, is that right? Called uh, Heart- Yeah, like 81, Heart- I think. Right, Heartworn Highways. Now, Normally, I'd sort of go to the person who picked the film to start off with, why did you pick it? But because you're our guest, Davey Mack, and this is really, I I guess it's no secret to the group that uh, the the outlaw, the the country outlaw genre, as it's described, is something that is close to your heart. And Towns Van Zandt, who plays a central part in this, story um, is someone who's really close to your heart. We'll, we'll start off with yourself. Um, just give us a little bit of the history behind yourself and your love of the genre and, and your love of this film. Well, um, I, you know, honestly, uh, when I came to uh, my uh, uh, music appreciation got broadened uh, uh, extremely when, when I, I came to work at Cactus uh, at, at my record store when I was uh, uh, 20 years old. Uh, because all the, uh, the my boss and, uh, uh, and and some just incredible music mentors um, understood like kind of what I like. So you know, it was basically just kind of a Springsteen. It was more movie guy at that point, and and, and, and uh, but but I, I liked uh, uh, Springsteen and and uh, just a, and Harry Chapin and a bunch of other stuff. But anyway, they they really kind of opened the doors for me on that stuff and. Um, uh, you know, and especially my, my friend Greg uh, dropping the needle on, on left the old quarter by Towns Van Zandt. That that's a life changing moment for me. Um, but uh, um, there's also um, the, the the way that I I found out about this film is there's a kind of historic bar in uh, in Houston uh, called Anderson Fair where. A just a ton of, of the, I mean, the people that are involved in this movie and Lyle Lovett and, you know, just, I mean, a, a, a ton of Texas artists and, and non-Texas artists um, play at really regularly. Um, and uh, I, so we started going there to, to see those kind of guys play. Um, and this is 92 or something like that. But, but uh, um, above uh, in, in one of the, uh, the rooms in there, they had this huge poster of, of, of this, this film. And it's, it's the cover of the, the DVD and everything, but uh, that just that, that uh, bit with towns and the, uh, the, the blacksmith. Um, and I was always thinking, I was just like, Man, well, I remember asking my buddy, Greg, I was like, well, what is that? And, and he was just like, yeah, I've seen it once, you know, but, but it's, it's like really, you know, it's, it's like super rare. I've never been able to find a, uh, you know, bootleg of it or whatever. And, uh, you know, it came out, um, Oh, I don't know how long ago, uh, 10 years ago on DVD, but, uh, that was my exposure to it. And, uh, uh, but, but, you know, I mean, like I said, Towns is my, my, uh, favorite songwriter. And, um, uh, um, so, and, and this is my, my favorite music documentary. So, 
Hmm. Um, uh, but uh, I mean, hands down. So, um, but uh, yeah, I'm interested in what you guys have to say about it. So, it, um, but well, uh, stick go ahead. You, sticky, you chose the film. So, what made you choose this? Was this a long time love for you, or? Uh, yeah. Well, I um, I mean, I bought the DVD when it came out, which, as Davey said, uh, it was probably about ten years ago now. Um, and I. I've found as I've gotten older, I've gravitated more towards country. When I was younger, I was uh, kind of post-punk, indie boy kind of stuff, (laughs) (laughs) you know. But um, as I sort of, you know, went through my sort of late 20s into my 30s, I started dabbling a little bit in country. And I I can't remember how I came across Towns Van Zandt, uh, but I did. And I was just blown away. Um, Yeah. And I remember reading an issue of, it was probably like, it was either Mojo or Uncut magazine mm. uh, that sort of uh, indicated that this was about to be released on DVD. And I'll be honest with you, I'd never even heard of it before. Um, but just seeing that cover with Towns on it and seeing the other names there, I thought, well, shit, you know, I'm going to have to go grab that. Um, and I did. And it's, you know, it just kind of kicked my ass. It's fantastic. Um and so, uh, again, I, I don't know if I'd say it's my favourite documentary or my favourite music documentary, but it's certainly up there. Um, and, you know, it's something I, I wanted to uh, to talk about for a while. In fact, since I, I became a member of the, the See Here crew, it's it's been the, uh, you know, it's definitely been on the roadmap, as it were. Mm. Um, and this just seemed like a perfect opportunity to, to get Dave on as well to talk about it. So nice. um, that, that's why I picked it, yeah. Nice. Um, I'm going to say it took me a long time before, you know, country music of any kind really spoke to me. And I guess, you know, like yourself, Bernie, you know, you were sort of, you had the, the, the punky sort of, you know, yeah. and, and pop sort of upbringing. Um, and yet, uh, when I think of, uh, in retrospect of a lot of what I listened to, there was a lot of stuff that had country influences. So I guess it was always yeah. there without, you know, me being fully aware of it and you know when i was 11 years old though and i think i spoke about this with uh davy during the week i remember the big album of the day uh was it 76 or 77 or something like that was willie nelson's stardust and i thought this is country music uh no thanks blue skies smiling at me nothing but blue skies do i see Nothing but blue sky from now on. I never saw the sun shining so bright. Never saw things going so right. Noticing the day. For those of you who may not remember it, I think it was just, you know, Willie doing a whole bunch of sort of old torch songs and and, uh, maybe not torch songs, but just really middle of the road beautiful yeah. what we called here beautiful music you know just that uh music that that you know stuff sort of stuff that you hear in the elevators <laughs> yeah. so yeah. It, it absolutely didn't you know didn't speak to me and i guess as an 11 year old it wasn't supposed to speak to me but but you know as i said there was always country stuff there it's just uh but i guess just like in the 70s when um jazz fusion got uh you know rock people to you know search out a more straight ahead bebop or free jazz uh theme later on uh i guess you could also say that um uh you know art you know artists who rock folk took for granted you know like bob dylan 
maybe would have gotten people to have some sort of investment in country later on. And it was you know, years before later before I, I realized that beautiful voice on Bob Dylan's Desire album, which is one of my very favorite Dylan albums, is, is uh, Emmy Lou Harris. Um, so, I mean, but in a, in a lot of ways, I'm, I guess I'm still behind the eight ball in regards to an appreciation of you know classic country and what is now considered what they call the outlaw country movement. I mean, I've sort of in, in recent years, I've gone for, uh, you know, the people who... Uh, the people who I love, you know, like your Gillian Welshes and Lucinda Williams, and you, you mentioned before La Love It, uh, you know, great people like that, but I haven't sort of gone back to the roots. Now, I guess it's been an accepted thing that you know, punk music, or the, the history books tell us that, you know, punk was a response to what many saw as, you know, the dinosaur age in rock in the 70s. So if this film is about the outlaw country movement, it would suggest that it was a reaction to something and you know possibly exactly. a reaction to what country music had become so you know what were songwriters of the day i mean like, okay so there were the big ones like you know chris christopherson and you know stardust aside you know willie nelson but you know what were the the new breed that this film concentrates on what were they rebelling against were they rebelling against what they saw in rock being overblated or were they re- responding to something in country what Either of you guys sort well, of know? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd, I'd say, first of all, I mean, that, that was uh, a point I was going to, well, I mean, I guess it's the point I was going to make is, and, and I'll make that point about Willie Nelson and, and Waylon Jennings, that um, they were guys that, that uh, I mean, you know, Willie Nelson was a guy that was told uh, in Nashville that just like, he'd written crazy. And, uh, you know, it was huge hit for Patsy Klein and, and written a ton of songs and everything like that, but he's not, uh, yeah, well, you know, you're not attractive and you're not a, uh, you're not that great of a singer. So, uh, so we, we, we don't have any place for you here. So, but we, you know, keep, keep pumping out those songs, buddy, you know, but, but, uh, um, so he said, fuck it and went to, uh, to Texas and, 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 uh, and, 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 uh, started his own thing. And I would highly recommend, uh, Shotgun Willie and Faces and Stages. I mean, th- those records are will will we'll change your mind about about Willie Nelson. Look, you know, I guess my the, the album that really sort of does it for me, and I guess it's not really, I guess, classic. It's Teatro. I adore that. I adore that album. But I mean, I guess that album is like a, a you know, country Willie, like Wrecking Ball's country Emmy Lou Harris. Yeah. They're not, but but I, well, I, I adore, and, and I, I would say it. the same thing about I would say the same thing about those Willie records and and uh, um, and uh, old uh, uh, Waylon's uh, uh, old Diamonds like me, uh, where he he uh, covered an entire. Well, there's one song uh, that it's not written by Billy Joe Shaver, who's a, a Texas uh legend um but uh he, he covered an entire record 
by this guy, uh, Billy Joe Shaver, because uh, of his songs, because he, he just thought he was a great songwriter. I, I just, I just got to mention quickly that I've, I've read like a lot of the books of Kinky Friedman, and he keeps talking yeah. about Billy Joe Shaver and Willie Dude, Nelson it, uh, for that matter too. So. He's he's a, a gentleman, you know, another man that I've shook his hand and and I love, but. Uh, 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 just adore but uh and and has a ton of great records but mm. yeah i'd say listen listen to uh um old five dollars like me and then uh the dreamer there's like three records by by, by Waylon that are, are are great and also there's this thing that's just like it's Waylon live that's uh in the expanded edition this is like a two disc set that that is uh just nuts it's it's like one of the best like honky tonk like just balls out rock and roll records you'll ever hear but but uh um i would highly recommend that but but i i do think that that has a lot i mean that texas outlaw country movement and it, man i could go on this about this for days but, but <laughs> it, it, it it has a lot to do with what's going on in this movie that that i, I think that that it, it's one of those things where where it's people are are where these artists are completely respectful and and you know i mean it's their influences are clear of of uh um and we can talk about it in the scene in the 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 bar with the sure. two old dudes you know but but uh um but it, it's it's one of those things where it's just like you know yeah you know this is where we got our influence but this is our own voice right and okay. it's, so it's interesting a- um it's interesting you say that dave i was i was going to mention that because w- with punk it was pretty much the year zero approach. It was about wiping out everything that came before and starting again. Yeah. But the, the outlaw country thing, like you say, it's very, very apparent that they knew that the old classic stuff and that, you know, they were trying to, you know, kind of uh, get back to that in a lot of ways, you know? So, right. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I hope that, that, um, that kind of illustrated at least, you know, what I kind of think about, uh, some of the, the, you know, my thoughts about this, this, this film and, and what it's, what's going about, you know, um, again, it's, it's, it's just like kind of, we're, you know, completely, you know, in that, that mode, you know, but, but, but it's, it's, uh, you know, this is our own voice. It's those, those singer songwriters that are, that are, um, taking the reins and, and, and we're creating a new thing. So. Well, 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 let me ask you this because you, you've gone as, put the focus squarely on the singer songwriters uh as opposed to you know someone who's just standing out as like a, a patsy not a client but a patsy for for you know someone else who's you know working in a building far away but the the, the traditional subject matter for for country as i guess maybe defined by the outlaw movement and it might have previously been for songwriters like hank williams were things about you know uh, personal hardships, doing it hard, getting drunk, not to sound too cliched or anything like that. But, you know, I mean, this is, there, there, but there was, um, like, I guess contemporary spins on, like, there was an album that I discussed with John Ross, uh, a couple of years ago on the show called The Grifter's Hymnal by uh, Ray Wilder oh, yeah. Hubbard, which is absolutely an awesome it's album. Terrific. And, but that's, but that covers a lot of, you know, hardship issues and guys who've, uh, come back from war and finding it hard to, assimilate and some contemporary spins but I, I guess just coming back to the songwriter movement thing was it was there um something like that these new brand of songwriters that said we're going to return to its roots what was it about the songs that they didn't like that they were rebelling yeah, against I, was it uh, the subject matter what was it i think uh in, in uh, i mean dave probably know more about this than i would but as country moved through the 50s and 60s 
it did become more of uh, the music of, uh, I suppose, Middle America, and it was, it was, yeah. it, you know, it was almost like a machine. This, that, you know, you listen to Jim Reeves or you listen to Kitty Wells and that sort of Nashville sound. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. just being totally cranked out, almost in a way, just to sort of placate the the masses, because it was all about, you know, God and family and hardship and so on, but in a That's... accepting kind of way. And uh, it, it just feels like uh, the outlaw thing was was kind of a reaction to that. It was trying to you know write genuine songs about genuine matters that wasn't just a sort of mass-produced, staid, uh, you know, Nashville country machine. So I don't know. That's that's the kind of feeling I get. I don't know whether Dave would agree with me. No, I would completely agree with you. I, I mean, I, I just think that it, it's it's more of a um an honest take on things it's it's, it's that yeah, you know it's, it, it, that's it's, exactly it. it's honesty isn't it it's honesty definitely yeah and and it's uh um i'm trying to find my note here um but i almost think that's that's the point of the film is that that it's it's that uh uh connection to the past but like a more honest take on the subject matter and and that it is that it's you know it's it's blunt and it's 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 not uh, you know while I mean there's amazing songs like in talking about classic country I'm thinking about like you know, Grand Tour by by uh, um, George Jones or or uh, and, and you know a couple other things but but um, but uh, yeah no I, I think it, it's 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 more that thing that we're there are guys that are just like you know taking charge of this thing. And, and it's not that uh, kind of Nashville factory, you know, like songwriting process where it's like it's not a hits factory or something like that. It, it's like, no, yeah. OK, we, we know what we're, you know, we 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 encompass this whole what uh, we've uh, not encompassed, not the right action, but, but we've we've we've, uh, you know, we've taken this whole thing in our entire life and and, and we're expressing it through ourselves. And, yeah, and totally. uh, yeah. I'm riding down. By your shack today Lord, I've worked All out in your cotton fields Lord, I worked All out in your cotton feet. All right, well, let's discuss the film itself. Now, structurally, I mean, you've, you guys have gone and called it a documentary. and It's not, though. Well, it's not a talking heads documentary. It's not a narrated documentary. It's a whole lot of... Seemingly, seemingly un- yeah. well, but it's not—it's not always performance. I mean, because like you've got moments like you know, we'll discuss some of the scenes in specific as we go along. But you know, you've got scenes like uh, uh, Towns Van Zandt showing you around his property. Oh, this is my, this is my girlfriend, yeah. and this is my farm, and this is my dog, and and it's it's not just—it's it, I mean, it's basically uh, <laughs> saying stuff what he normally what you were talking about what they say in the song you know bringing it real it's you know about hardships or it's about your life and here he's like saying well you know this is my life this is my farm and this is it. and so there's a lot of talk about peripheral matters not always about the musical this is what it means to me to be a songwriter it's just well this is it's, these uh, are my surroundings make of it what you will um and, it's and, interesting though that uh, the, the director um 
James Shalabsky. Yeah, yeah. He's really, um, he's not intrusive at all because, like you say, he's not asking anybody questions. He's literally just pointing the camera at them and letting them talk or letting them play. You know, I think well, the film is then created really in the editing room, I guess, later on. Yeah. Um, I was probably this is going to be the only time that anyone ever compares Heartworn Highways to The Kids Are Alright, but... Oh, I get it. I get uh, it. But there you go, because like that, which, you know, was... Came out, was it I totally get that. Because that's another film which is, is going to say, well, we're not going to... My other you. favorite rock and roll film? Well, yeah. the, that's, that's, my, that's my favorite rock and roll. That is too close yeah. to my heart that we can talk about on the show. Uh, yeah, but no, but yeah. that, that film, you know, once again, that's not a... This is the story of The Who... Uh, we're just going to show a whole bunch of footage. It's not even done in chronological order. It's like, here, we're going to set a mood and we're going to, here's some footage from Tommy. Here's an interview uh, that, they, no. you know, that they do on some German TV program. And, uh, and here's Keith Moon busting a hotel room on Saturday Night Live. And it's just this stuff thrown all over the, to set a mood. And Heart One Highway sets a mood just yeah. like, the, um, uh, like the kids are all right. But of course... And like yeah, the kids totally are right, all, it's all archived. This is all being filmed to give you an impression. Here's some new people. This is what they're doing now. Dude, uh, not not to derail the subject, but my my, uh, my boss Quinn had the best, one of the best quotes I've ever heard about the kids are all right. Well, I mean, it is the best quote. And when he was describing it to me, uh, uh, when I uh, when I first saw it. it he was like, man, yeah, it's it's just they, they wait around, and, you know, just enough for them to say something cool, and then they, they cut to something else, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but uh, I always, I always love that, you know, um, but that, that's exactly the case, you know, and, uh, or, or to, you know, just do the performance or whatever, but uh, anyway, I, I'm sorry. This film, purely as a piece of cinema, the film could be equally appealing and frustrating to its viewers. Uh, if you if you know little about the performers or the genre, you may have found, you know, I, I don't know maybe a more straightforward narrative appealing. And yet, you know, I, I guess in a more straightforward narrative with your talking heads and all that, details can often get omitted, and you know the story can sometimes be told in highlighted chunks. As I said before, you know, this is this is a mood piece, and watching sequence after sequence was still incredibly appealing, you know, despite there being no semblance of uh, you know, linearity or an obvious connection between the sequences. I guess the thing that you take away is these are real people, these are their lives. And, That's it, yeah, yeah. yeah. It definitely it feels a lot more organic, I think, when you literally just get this series of snapshots. And, right. and like you say, that they're not in any particular order. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but there's two scenes with Towns Van Zandt. Mm. And he has a different girlfriend in each yeah, one. Yeah, no, I'll super bring that up. Yeah, <laughs> I, had, right I hadn't picked that. I hadn't yeah. picked that out. <laughs> I thought that was great, but uh, yeah, the fact that it is just these little snippets, um, it works perfectly, and it just gives you a, a nice rounded picture of the whole scene that it's trying to encompass. I think you know, um, Dave. Yeah. I'm going to give you a chance to have a rant. Okay, so there's oh. <laughs> there's the scene late in the film uh, with the um, performer David Allen Coe. I was in the shower and this dude come in and he said, Hey, mama. I said, say, man, you must have me mixed up with somebody else. <laughs> he said, yeah. <laughs> sure do. But not for long. 
Well, there was a, you know, a mop bucket there. And I said, look, man, you know, you better leave me alone. I was scared to death, you know. So I eased back and I got this mop bringer, you know. So I said, bam, I hit the dude in the head and he fell on the floor. And he said, man, I was just joking. I said, motherfucker, oh. I found out right then that no matter how young and skinny or pretty you are, you got the strength in your two arms to kill a motherfucker if they fuck with you. And ain't no one ever fucked with me since. And oh, I've just, got some notes about David Allen Cutter. All right, yeah. okay, well, I'll let, I'll let the two of you uh, fight this out, but you know, there's that sequence in the prison, and I, we've spoken about this off-air before, where you know you have, well, you know, I guess it's a legitimate grievance, and even all of that, it's it's a big contrast to the the guy Clark or Towns Van Zant sequences in the film, and it sort of seems a little bit out of place, so I want you gentlemen to give us a rant. Well, I'm I just, was gonna, before, you, before you start, Dave, I, yes, I just want to... I just wonder, um, well... Give, give, give a description about. first, because for the people who are uninitiated, give a bit of a description, Benny, as to um, what, what happens well, this in this is, prison uh, sequence. Uh, there's a couple of scenes with David Allen Coe throughout the film, and I'll, I'll be totally upfront about this. I think he's a bit of a dick in this movie. <laughs> I think he's probably exactly. a bit of a dick in real life. Um, there's oh, a scene with you him... You don't know, where, dude. Oh, wow, there we go. Well, I was going to say, I wonder if we're sharing the same mindset on this, but I guess oh, we yeah, are. yeah. Yeah. When when he's driving, he's driving the, the his tour bus for a start, and he's got this really giant spangly tour bus with David yeah. Allen Coe written along the side, and he's just having these conversations with people on the CB radio, mm. and he keeps making a point of telling them that oh yeah, we're driving up to uh, wherever it is, State Pen, because we got to do a gig yeah. up there, and uh, you know I got to make time, man. And straight away you're thinking, okay, so you need to be telling everybody about what you're doing and how great you are. And then when you actually see him on stage at the, the you know, at the prison at the end, he's, I think he's obviously been doing some, uh, some drugs. Cocaine, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I think he, he's, I mean, he really wishes he was Johnny Cash at San Quentin, but he's not at all. He's just a that drugged was... up moron, just babbling and just Th- playing that was... No, 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 no. That, that was exactly my note. That it's just like he is no Johnny Cash in the, the oh, in the, God, uh, no, the, the in the the, the uh, in in that that uh, respect. As far as his rapport with the the uh, the audience, that I mean, his yeah, stories. You can feel them, just, um, yeah, you you can feel him losing it all the way through that, and you can just feel the daggers that the uh, you know the the audience are looking at him. You just think, man, I hope you're going to make a quick getaway after this because you are going <laughs> to wind up naked in the showers with your butt bleeding, you know? <laughs> Ex- Dude, totally. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, you know, I'd, I'd kind of, I'd had a, uh, a phrase that I'd, I'd used for, for uh, that scene in this movie that, that for, for years that uh, since I saw it, that, that uh, it's like you're, you're watching this incredible documentary about, uh, or, you know, or, or snapshot film about these uh incredible musicians and all of a sudden somebody switches the channel and you're watching star trek <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it just like what the <laughs> fuck is going on here you know because it's just yeah. so out of place and everything it totally. did uh, and, uh, uh, but, my, my um, God, that costume he's wearing as well. Oh, it's oh, ridiculous! Yeah. Well, 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 he's thinking. sitting there talking to the felons and stuff like that. But, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like that. Th- uh, it's you know, at the store we listen to uh, to Lab San Quentin and and uh, um, oh shit, I'm blanking Folsom. on the other prison name. Folsom. Folsom prison. Yeah, Folsom. Uh, we we listened to both those records at the store the other day. Uh, I mean, shortly before I kind of rewatched this guy and everything, and I was just sitting there thinking about like all of uh, Cash's rapport with prisoners did, did that stuff like, you know, hey, can I get some water? And then when he gets the cup of water, he's just like, are you sure this is water? And everything, and everybody laughs. laughs. And, and, and all that stuff, it, it's just like, but but then, 
you know, Co is just like fucking clueless. But I, yeah. I, the other thing, watching it this morning, I was I, I just came up with that phrase. Just like it's the episode of David Allen Co. Tough guy. <laughs> he wishes yeah, yeah yeah it's it's just it, it's just such a joke you know guys anyway. uh, guys who talk about it like that rarely have actually lived it like that do you know what i mean it's, it's yeah it just sounds like old front i mean well, there, there his, was i don't know his, his had he actually been just prison? so ridiculous is that true? I, I i believe so and, and i will okay. say that that guy has written a couple of good songs and the, the, that that song that he performs in, in a movie that that song about his grandfather is is like i, I would say that's a good song grandpa i've been thinking about you lately Wondering if you'd found your peace of mind Yeah, I guess you'd be proud to know your grandson Never crossed the Mason-Dixon line and you, and, and you know, it's winter on the farm and the snow on the cows, and that's that's a beautiful, really, really touching song. And just and, and what what I like is they they sort of take they take the contrast. Well, not a contrast, but you know, they're taking this song and putting it over that imagery. It's just something really, really ordinary. I mean, you, yeah. you think a lot of documentaries or a lot of films in general, they've got to take the song, they've got to show you something really, really exciting. And here they're taking something so ordinary. It's just you know, cows on a farm. Uh, and it's snowing, and it just combined with that song, it just works. It just completely works. Yeah, it's it's it's, 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 a, it's a really cool film. Yeah, I mean, as far as the, I mean, it's it's really well put together and edited well, and and uh, it, it makes all the right choices. There's uh, there's a couple of sequences that uh, reminded me. Now I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but there was um, it was a TV show that was on in the UK in the late 80s. A thing called Road Dreams. Does that ring any bells? No, not me. Basically, it was an English guy um, called Elliot Bristow who he went to the States for a holiday in 1968 and he wound up staying there until 1980 mm. and he pretty much just travelled around the States filming with his like Super 8 camera um, and in the late 80s, Channel 4 put together this TV show which was basically just this footage edited together with... It's all silent, so there's just music played over the top and they use uh, people like Leo Kotke and people like that, so it's got that nice traditional awesome. finger-picky kind of feel. Um, but it is just him filming ordinary people going about their lives. Um, and there's a couple of sequences in Heartworn Highways. The, the thing you just talked about with the, with the farmer. Mm. Um, there's several sequences with people just kind of driving and passing big semis and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and that very much reminded me of this TV show Road Dreams, so... The whole thing is on YouTube, and it's just—it's a really cool. sort of brilliantly kind of unobtrusive and just totally natural look at America as it must have been like during that time period. Mm. There's no pretense wow. at all. It's just you know an outsider pointing his camera at stuff. I'll I'll post some links on uh, the Facebook group a bit later. Actually, cool. nice, nice. That's a perfect dude. That's I think that's a perfect way to describe this movie too. It's just like there yeah, is yeah, zero totally, yeah. pretense. Yeah, yeah. It's. And, and just not having that narrative is, is a big deal, yeah. Um, I was going to say, uh, as well, coming back to this, I, I often think of uh, Terry Frost's uh, podcast promo for uh, Paleo Cinema where he says, you know, something to the effect of, do films where no, no single shot lasts longer than two seconds piss yeah. you off? 
And that is completely the antithesis of this film. One of the strengths is I love how the camera just lingers on on someone, you know, for for absolute ages, you know, and you, you really get the feel like you're in the room with them. And and I, you know, one of you already said, you know, like you're you're not obtrusive. It's it's you're there, um, you're ha- you know, having a beer with them. You're just there's um there's that sequence with uh, those guys, uh, uh, big Mac McGowan and Glenn Stagner doing the Doctor's Blues. This is a lovely little song entitled. I'd rather be sunburned on my vacation than vaccinated on my, on my weekend. Now, what did you say? You said you I said the doctor's blues. The doctor's blues. That's it. Well, Here we go. Now, get up on this table. Pull off that gown. Raise up that right leg. Let the left one down. Pull off them stockings, the silk on the well. The doctor's gonna cut your mama, Lord knows where. You got for three teeth. They're just, you know, they're just sort of talking away. These two guys have probably known each other, you know, most of their lives, and then they go off and uh, play that. They go off and play that little song, and you, you just find like you're, you're there. And, and they're hilarious. Oh, they, uh, they, those oh. two guys. That oh. is so funny. That scene. Uh, the uh, the bigger guy. What's he called? Um, he was Big Mac Big McGowan. Something Mac, Mac McGowan. He, he, can't keep, got, he can't keep time yeah, on, on the on the I was going to say, he's got no <laughs> sense of musicality or rhythm at all, has he? But no, that's just that's beautiful. Yeah. Wendy, well, where, so where are you when I, when I need you? I wanted you to sort of back me up. I've got to talk about you. This guy, he, he just yeah, couldn't keep couldn't keep time. But, he, but well, just, but you, worst drummer. But you know what? That's I think the whole point of the film is not... Well, I don't know. Maybe some of the point of the film is obviously about the musicality and the new upcoming sense uh, of these new singers songwriters but you have guys like you know, these two guys here are obviously you know new, not new boys on the block i mean yeah i, I, it's I, I about the people the, the tradition as well isn't it i guess right and, and, and you watch these guys and you know it doesn't, doesn't matter that he can't keep time you're not cringing and, and and the film is not there to judge him and say hey look how awful these guys are it's it's just you know, a couple of guys here they they play because i love it and they're having some fun and yeah, yeah, actually, Can I, I want to uh, be uh, day drinking with those guys. Can you? Yes, um, did you understand the word that that Mac McGowan guy was saying? That's like the thickest Texas accent. Is it? Was that a Texas accent? Well, I think that was in Tennessee. But but uh, oh, okay. but but, but uh, uh, yeah, thick actually, accent. I can. I can I can. Uh, I got a pretty thick accent, and I can. I can. I can understand them. So, so yeah. Oh but, yeah, but, man! So. You sound like you're speaking the Queen's English compared to that guy. <laughs> that was unbelievable. I caught like about every fifth word. You know. Yeah, uh, he has some pretty. Mac McGowan there has a a pretty remarkable line at one point. Oh, oh yeah. yes, John, yes, Johnny Cash has shot his ward. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love yeah. how he he he. he uh, I love how he says the line, and then he thinks about it, and he realizes he's had some profound thought, and then he, he says it again. <laughs> yes, he does. It's just like, yeah, it's 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 pretty. It's it's that's that's a that's a scene. I tell so, you what. So let I me let me. Uh, ask, the, I, I just wanted oh, to ask sorry. you what was what was Johnny Cash doing at the time that made him say, "Ah, oh, no, he's past it." Because I mean, like nowadays, you know, notwithstanding, you know that 
bloody awful Walk the Line film, but uh, but we okay, we know that he had his demons and all that sort of thing, but he always did. But you know, when people sort of think of Johnny Cash's music, and I'm not talking necessarily about hardcore country fans, but you know, everyone knows about the Sun Sessions, everyone knows about the Rick Rubin, you know, last few years sessions, and everyone knows about those classic prison albums and you know any of the music in between. But you know, people treat all that stuff with reverence, so. Why would he say Johnny Cash has shot his wad? You know, uh, in fact, inferring that he's he's passed it. Well, I mean, you know, thinking about that, if this film was filmed in in 1975, um, I mean, my thoughts about that are that that um, Johnny Cash had had kind of embraced the counterculture at that point. I mean, he had spoken out against Vietnam, and he had the TV show, uh, yeah. and uh, um, he had done that. Uh, Bitter Tears record, which is, is, uh, you know, an, an ode to the, uh, uh, Native American plight in the United States. Um, you know, and he, you know, the, I mean, the drugs thing was kind of more out there than not. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, he had done, I mean, he wrote Nashville Skyline with Dylan, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, he had done, well, he'd had Christopherson on, on, uh, uh, his TV show and, and they, they, uh, actually had to edit a line from, uh, Sunday morning going down. Um, that, that referred to, uh, to, uh, it was, it's, I'm, what, what's the line I've got in my notes here? It's, uh, on Sunday morning, uh, on a Sunday morning sidewalk, I'm wishing I was stoned. Then they had to edit that for the, right. the TV stuff. But, I mean, to me, honestly, from that guy's perspective, he's a old redneck that, that was just like a little bit, you know, he, 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 he and, and, uh, so that, that, I mean, I think that's the whole deal right there. I, I'm not sure. I mean, <clears throat> During that period in the eighties, I'm not sure that, that uh, you know that was kind of a fallow period for Cash, but 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 uh, uh, so it's it's more uh, about a political statement against yeah. Cash rather than oh his songwriting or his performing or his, yeah his I don't think that guy well I mean you saw what the the songs they were singing I don't think <laughs> really no no I mean you know as as fun as uh, as Doctor's Blues is uh, yeah I don't think those guys are real like a songwriter so anyway. uh, no, oh god no no, no not at all. Uh, I just want to come back to you know what we, what I was mentioning a few minutes ago is it's really hard <coughs> to believe that there was a time where shots in a music related film could just you know linger. I mean you know MTV probably saw the, the death of that sort of thing in film clips in general, uh, and that for me is you know something that makes this film so personable. You know you look at you know someone performing a in a lounge room or. Like those guys, you know, having the conversation in in um, in their bar or, or Towns Van Zandt, having the uh, conversation in the kitchen, and you don't feel like an intruder. Now, my uh, I did a little bit of reading up about Towns Van Zandt, and it shows that his life, you know, is you know alcohol filled and you know with the you know, completely erratic behaviour. And yet, in this film, this shows a completely different guy who's completely at ease with himself and his surroundings. Which also then brings up the valid question is, how much of what we see in a documentary like this is good behavior for the cameras? And, I mean, the very nature of a documentary, you know, where things can be changed in the editing room where they want to present a particular picture, it's fraught with danger. But how much of that was wanting to present Towns in a a good light? Or or was he in a happy place at that time? He seems to have been... uh playing up to the camera a bit, doesn't he? He was obviously enjoying himself and having fun. Mm. So, um, 
which, which is which so. is a long way from what I've read. I guess more like in the latter part of his life. But you know, he he'd been through some really hard times. He he had those yeah. demons that you know well, we know that Cash had, and obviously a lot of other performers had. But um, but you well, know, how, how much we say here's a documentary. These are these people. These are their day to day things. They're ordinary people. So do you? But when you go read the um, when you go read a book or you go read online on Wikipedia or wherever it is that you read about towns uh, and you sort of see that, well, this was, you know, it wasn't all sunny and, and rosy. Well, but then again, I mean, maybe part of his life was sunny and rosy and you know, th- there's only so much you can I think read on, though, um, on an article. I think, though, Morris, we all kind of wear masks in our day-to-day life and you don't always necessarily, you're not showing on the outside what you're going through on the inside, you know, right. so... But but I guess so, a, fil- I mean, a film is even more... a, a film. You know, Sorry, a, a do- I was going to say a, film, you know, a, a documentary is saying, right, here's the snapshot. This is what we're going to present for you. Boom! This is the impression you're going to go away with. Well, sometimes I don't know where this dirty road is taking me. Sometimes I can't even see the reason why. I guess I'll keep a gambling. Lots of booze and lots of rambling It's easier than just to wait around to die I guess when you see Towns sat there playing Waiting Around to Die which is, you know, an amazing and an amazingly bleak song as well, you know, that kind of and he says, this is the first song I ever wrote you think, holy shit and then you see, you know, the the old uh, blacksmith guy just sat there in the background with tears pouring down his cheeks Incredible Yep, you know, that was you, you, you couldn't manufacture that. That is just an absolutely piece of truth caught on film. You know, that is unbelievable. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> that obviously doesn't answer the question. But... No, no, no. Well, look, I'm no, just putting that out there. Well, no. I mean, there's a thing there. I mean, just about Towns' kind of biography. That, that it, it's that, that, that's the thing. That's a, a, a scene that that's really fascinating to me because. And it's been a while since I've watched that "Be Here to Love Me" movie, um, but uh, um, but uh, um, you know he, he came from uh, an extremely wealthy family, and actually Van Zant County in East Texas is, is named after uh, his family, and he was you know he was a pre law student and and uh, in, in college and, and you know and, and his uh, uh, parents encouraged him to to, uh, to to do I mean his father bought him a guitar and and, and uh, I think his dad actually told him at one point it was just like stop doing covers you know you need to write your own stuff and, or you, and, and you need to perform your own stuff um, and it's interesting to me to, to see that scene um, you know and I mean, I met the guy. I, I shook his hand, you know. So, so, uh, uh, but, but, uh, uh, I mean, at the at the very end of his life when he was on his tour for his last record. But, uh, you know, I saw him seven or eight times or something. But, but, uh, um, and, and never had any personal conversation with him. Obviously, you know, I mean, it was just like kind of, hey, great show, dude. You know, but, but, uh, um, but it's interesting to me to to see him in that that trailer. You know, where where it's it's uh, and and that's it's 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 that's odd too because that's uh, in just reading up on that too that that uh, that's in downtown Austin, Texas right now, which is I mean where where downtown Austin, Texas is right now, which is like an insanely booming city, um, where where that uh, his little uh, trailer apartment or wherever there was was located, but uh, so uh, it, it don't look like that no more. 
but um, just coming from that, uh, it's, you know, I mean, he was obviously living that and kind of embraced it. I think, you know, and, you know, I, I th- it's all those scenes of, of him, that those, the, the shots of him uh, having the uh, bottle of Seagram's and a can of Coke in his hand and doing that, uh, his mixing the, you know, mixing it in his mouth or whatever is, is that's yeah. some real white trash shit. But, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but, 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 uh, uh, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, he was like, yeah, you know what, this is me, you know, and, and uh, I, I don't, I, I'm, it's interesting because like that, that, you know, I mean, it's that juxtaposition between that scene, you know, where he's just this drunk goofball. And then when he's, he's in the, the house with the, uh, um, I've got the guy's name written down here somewhere, but, uh, um, yeah, but, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, walk, guy, yeah. the, the walking blacksmith and, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, and he's, I mean, they're pals, you know, you can tell they're talking. Uh, uh, and, Uncle, and, Uncle Seymour Washington. Yeah. And, and, uh, but, but then, you know, yeah, that, that instant, and then he's just like, Hey, it's the first song I ever wrote. And he plays, play around and die. it's just like, it's such a, I mean, that's like a touchstone moment for me, you know, of, of, yeah. of and, and it's, it's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen, you know, and, and, and uh, yeah, he, he goes from almost being kind of frivolous, doesn't he? To just, mm. yeah. Cause he's kind uh, of a know, dick beforehand, you know, he, yeah. he's kind of like, he's joking around <laughs> with him. And, and then, you know, and, and then he just, he, he lays that out. You oh, know, he and, even and, rolls yeah. his eyes for the camera. Uh, yeah. Something that he yeah. Says. yeah, yeah. But, uh, but it's, no, uh, it's just, what a, what an incredible. He's, he's, but yeah, I mean, he's very interesting towns in that I, I think, you know, like you say, he, he came from money and prestige and he had everything handed to him on the plate. He chose not to go that route. And now whether oh. you feel, sorry, go well, on. Me... Well, no, I was going to say that me and Maurice were, 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 were talking about that, um, earlier, uh, that, that it's, it's almost a parallel to Graham Parsons. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and, yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, that's such a fascinating thing, you know, um, that they just chose to, uh, it's like, well, you know, they had that, that opportunity, but it's like, no, you know, and, you know, well, but, Parsons, it's like, oh, no, I'm going to go hang out with Peter. <laughs> I'm going to do this. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to create some of the most important music, uh, some, of, some of the most in, influential music in because he knew so much about, well, no, that's exactly it. I mean, it's exactly what's going on in this movie because it's like, you know, he knew so much about country music that, you know, I mean, he got the, the international submarine man and then the, and, and not to digress, but in, in playing burrito brothers and th- then did those. Well, I mean, and then, you know, uh, his, those two seminal solo records, I think. And, and then, yeah. you know, influenced the Rolling Stones to do their greatest record of all time, you know? So, so, I mean, in my opinion, but, 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 uh, um, yeah, I'm going to go hang out with Keith, Keith Richards now. So, <laughs> you know, I, well, um, what I was going to say about, uh, Tangs, and again, you could apply this to, uh, Graham Parsons, wh- whether they were, uh, for real, as it were, or not, because obviously, you know, any given time, they could have just gone back to mum and dad. And, yeah. uh, you know, the family fortune. So whether, you know, whether they really did live it or they didn't, you know, the quality of the work still stands. And, exactly. Uh, you know, yeah. the heart and the, the genuineness of the work is just as relevant, whether it's, you know, however yeah. they decided to live, you know. So, and, you know, I guess that's the mark of a true artist, isn't it? Yeah. No, there you go. Yeah. I completely agree. I wanted to bring up just a few more than musical sequences as opposed to so like talking about the film just a couple of things that i really really dug out of this and bearing in mind that you know a lot of this music was fairly new to me now i know that it was to your shock and horror 
uh, Dave, that I'd never really been a Guy Clark fan. I know that. Um, uh, uh, Morris. Well, don't don't hold it against me. But, you know, <laughs> I'm I'll, I'll, sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll improve. Um, I mean, look. Well, okay. So to to my. Uh, detriment. I'd heard Desperados waiting for a train like countless times, and I thought, oh, this just doesn't do it for me. But on the other hand, we have a local, or rather, had a local bluegrass group that did an absolutely amazing version of the song, The Cape, and that has always appealed uh, to me. Yeah. No, um, it's, it's now amazing. watching, yeah. now watching this film uh, and hearing, uh, you know, the songs like L.A. Freeway and Texas Cooking. Uh, yeah. Just, I don't, I'm going to reevaluate. That's it. Packer. All your dishes Make note of all good wishes And say goodbye to the landlord for me Some bitches always bore me Throw out them L.A. papers And that moldy back of vanilla wafers Adios to all this concrete Get me some dirt road back street. I love how natural oh. he seemed. I love how personable he seemed. That that scene where you know we we're talking before about just being in the room and hey, come on, watch me while I uh, you know rebuild one of my old guitars. And it's just yeah. it's just a beautiful piece of film. It's just something really really special. So that opening sequence as well with him just playing L.A. Freeway. Yeah, it's just amazing. It's just the, the perfect opening for the movie, I think. Absolutely, a beautiful, beautiful song. Uh, yeah. That uh, yeah. that bit where where he's uh, rebuilding that guitar and, and yeah. uh, is is I mean that's that's really like one of my I mean it's my, my favorite part of the movie and, and uh, um, is, is it wise uh, but, to be smoking cigarettes around flammable <laughs> chemicals like that? I'm not sure, but he, he's, he's, a, t- he's uh, a tough guy. I, I love that. I love that bit where he says uh, he says uh, yeah the. the Hard part to watch is that, or the the part to watch is hard for the uh, uh, guitar owner. Uh, this or this part is hard to watch for the guitar owner when he gets out that rasp and he starts going over the frets. Oh yeah, it's just so funny, you know. But uh, no, that that's I mean, literally, that is like I mean, that's my uh, that's my MDT for the uh, for the film, and just because nice. it's like it's it's one of those things where it's it's it, it is like that. I mean, shit, where else are you gonna see that? Where I mean, you know, you're talking about the guy as a songwriter, you know, for one thing, but but in his musician or whatever. But when he's like, okay, I'm gonna rebuild a guitar in front, of you. you know, and right. and yeah. uh, that that's yeah. just like, it, it's I, I just love it. It's it's I adore it. So, anyway. Um, another another piece that I love in the film, and and maybe you can enlighten me, uh, either of you gents, as to uh, anything else that the performer has done. Uh, but um, this guy called Barefoot Jerry.
oh. still play. And they, he and his group did a tune called Two Mile Pike. And the musicianship was absolutely amazing. I mean, just like yeah. we spoke about David Co maybe being out of sync with the rest of the film, maybe this is also a little bit out of sync with a lot yeah. of the film. But and uh, it's, but it's, it's, it's super appeals to me. And it's so cool. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a great it's a great piece of music. And just like yeah, uh, I mean, I wouldn't call it Texas swing, but just like. Um, when, when you sort of think about, you know, Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys really sort of being a good amalgam of, you know, the best that country music could have offered at the time and, and jazz music, you know, put together and it really was showing, you know, that, you know, all these genres, all these classifications that we make are, are not necessarily so dissimilar after all. And yeah, I, I felt yeah. the all same about the way. Chops, isn't it? Correct. It's all about I, the chops, I, and I, these I, guys are just. Totally the on their game, they just kill it, don't they? I, I felt the same thing listening to this tune, and yeah, yeah, their chops were just—they nailed it. It was absolutely great. Yeah. Too. So, so, uh, Dave, do you know anything about Barefoot Jerry and whether I, any of his other music is as impressive as this? I don't, and, and, and honestly, I, I other than you know, that's the kind of you know theme song for the film. I, but, but, uh, um, I, and you know what? I'm, I'm probably going to have to uh, write in and, and uh, to, the, to the group and and and. Uh, Express my my ignorance about it, but but uh, well, I'm well, expressing my ignorance about it right now. But but uh, I don't. But but I, I mean, I love that. I, I love that segment of the film. I love watching uh, that dude. Man, pedal steel is just a really amazing thing. And yeah. I, I've got, I've got a friend that does it for real, real. A friend lives in Austin that does it really really well. And it's just a. I mean, that's an amazing instrument. Instrument, and uh, it's it's a. Uh, it's one of those things that just like I, I can't even like fathom how you could, and especially at the, like the speed that guy's playing. Oh um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, real, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 uh it's it's really special. So no, that's that's one of my favorite segments of the film too. So. I just wanted to mention my my. Is, I mean, it's tough. I was going to mention my two favorite scenes. Yep. But really, yep. it's a movie full of favorite scenes. It's yeah. difficult to pick a two out. But the two that I really, really, really like, uh, the one near the start, just after Guy Clark, when uh, Larry John oh. Wilson. This Laurent land has turned to sand, and I'd have stood about all I can. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Papa, he said, good luck, son. Try to remember there's always one you can turn to when you need to. Mama fix the boy some ham and whole cakes and dry your eyes Cause if you one day it'd make his own way Quick as he can, Lord From the hooky river bottom land Farmhouse mm -hmm. leaning and the barn is rotten the back is bent Chopping cotton for making Oh, he's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, just that whole scene with uh, the recording of that song, uh, Hoopy River Bottomland. Yeah. It's just that, uh, you know, that sort of country funk thing that's been in vogue the last couple of years. What an amazing um, it's guitar totally. player. What an, yeah. Was yeah. Very funky. Really yeah. funky. He played, he, played that, he played the acoustic guitar, that, that rhythmic work. It was, just, it was amazing. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I just love the whole, uh, just the whole look of the, the studio. It's got like, it's built out of logs of wood and the, the carpet's yeah. green like grass. 
Um, and yeah, you know, just uh, you know, from a seventies fashion viewpoint as well, there's just some amazing stuff going uh, on there. Dude, I, I love man. the uh, the 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 board guys sweater. Yes. Like, oh my, so my god. Yeah. You just get a headache looking at that, wouldn't you? It's yeah. Just, oh, totally. Beautiful. But that whole scene and the way they, they, you know, they're just kind of gradually building up the song, and he's like, "Let's try it like this," and then they just go into the full thing. Um, man, everyone just kicks into overdrive, and yeah, just absolutely superb. Mm. Yeah, I gotta it's say, great. after watching this, I did track down a couple of uh, Larry John Wilson's oh, LPs. Oh, nice! Wow! Um, and they uh, they were reissued a few years ago on uh, you can get a two for two uh, LPs on one CD, and I think it are might they... be me. Do you know the Omni label? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's an, it would be an I'm not sure. Us, yeah. Mate, it might be light in the attic. I'm not sure. But um, oh, okay. I'll, I'll do a bit of research and I'll, I'll send you some info, guys. Or I'll post it on the group because. Yeah. Um, well, what, are, what are the records? They're, they're, I mean, are they are they solid or? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. They're, they're, um, it's not like he's just playing the, the same song for the whole album, but they do all have that kind of funky feel. Nice. Uh, and yeah. there's a couple of nice sort of country ballady type songs on there as well, you know. Uh, and again, yeah. he's he's very much a proponent of that sort of storytelling. It yeah. seems. So, um, but yeah, great, no, really great good, man. Voice. Definitely really, worth uh, checking out. Really great deep voice too. I, I oh, just yeah, sort of imagine. Yeah. I want to talk to that cat. <laughs> it just seems yeah, like you yeah. feel the mountain shaking when he talks. Don't oh you? yeah, oh yeah. Well, uh, so, re- uh, reading the uh, in. in Honestly, this is just from the Wikipedia entry from the, from the movie or whatever, but it mentions, and I don't think on any of the extra features or anything on the DVD it mentions this, but but apparently he had uh, they had uh, had to go get him to wake him up to do that session because it was like, hey, we're filming a fucking movie tomorrow morning, <laughs> and and, and uh, he had been out like doing the town, you know, or whatever. So they that so uh, he. Uh, I, I tell you what, you can tell. He's got a drinker's nose, hasn't he? He's got that big uh, slice right uh, nose, That was the know? next thing I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a total giveaway. Awesome. No, so, no but, I, yeah, I, I, I love that segment too, yeah. So, and and your great. other your other favourite one? The other scene that I wanted to mention, which again, I thought was just this beautifully authentic sort of snapshot, was um, the, the the fat guy with the uh, the impenetrable accent, Mac McGowan. <laughs> uh, there's a, a scene later in the film where it's kind of in his bar, uh, and you've got this yeah. uh, woman called uh, Peggy Brooks. Uh. When you love halfway, someone has to pay. I won't accept. For the fuel, let's go all the way. Love me day and night, then I'll know it's right. Love me till I hear you say, Oh, let's go all the way. All the way means happy. Yeah, well, no, no, I don't, that, that was like. I'm, I'm sorry, that was like fingernails down the blackboard. Oh, really? Well, that's the thing. She wasn't, I, I assume she wasn't a recording artist because she wasn't the best at carrying a tune. <laughs> but at, <laughs> to be like, as, a, yeah. as a, you know, a, a snapshot into uh, that kind of, right. I don't know, yeah. that, that, that kind of life and that kind of period. And you just got all these real sort of dodgy looking characters sat around the bar, uh, smoking and drinking, watching this woman kind of wailing out this country tune. Yeah. And then there's one guy in particular who uh, he walks across the uh, the screen. He's got like this yellow jacket on, uh, and he's got like a white turtleneck sweater and a scarf, and slick back hair. Um, and you just know he's killed people. He looks like a serial. <laughs> he really does. You just would not want to meet him in a, in a dark alley. 
but uh, I, I think just you know, as I say, as a as a, a slice of that kind of, you know, particularly well, to someone like me, uh, you know, work, working class white boy in a, in you know in a country the other side of the world, to see something like that, I just well, thought that was I, amazing. I, I feel the need to relate a story here about that same, almost that same type of thing uh, in. Whenever that was, whenever uh, Dylan's Time Out of Mind came out, um, me and my ultimate music mentor, uh, uh, Greg Ellis, uh, went to uh, Jackson, Mississippi to see uh, Dylan play there because he, he wasn't coming to Houston anytime soon. And, uh, um, and we were just so jazzed about that record that we, and, and he was like, man, he, and it was, uh, I guess that was the third time I'd seen Dylan. Uh, but, uh, we we just got in the car and drove out there and we had a family friend uh, to stay with and uh, but anyway um, we saw the Dylan show and afterwards we went to this place called the Subway in uh, in kind of sketchy part of town in Jackson Mississippi and uh, and we're we were kind of like you know uh, just sitting there drinking beer and and uh, watching whatever the band played and uh, we got the advice from a local that. Um, yeah, man, you know, you need to wait around until two because, you know, because uh, that's when all the good guys get here. And, and, and my buddy Greg says, says uh, oh, well, why don't they get here at two? And, and uh, it was like, oh, well, that's when the chicken plant closes. So there was a chicken rearing plant somewhere in, in the Jackson, Mississippi area that was, you know, would let off and the guys would come by and, and they, they'd do their set then. So, and, and it was actually, we stuck around till two and it was real good. So, you know, but, uh, but anyway, yeah. So it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. I think mm. that, 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 uh, you know, you got those local musicians that are, are just doing their thing, you know, but, but, uh, anyway, I hope that makes some, some kind yeah. of sense. Yeah. It makes plenty of sense. Like, all right, look, I think at this point we might just sort of wrap up the conversation. Well, Unless, did you have a final final? Well, I, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think we, we touched on, on everything I was going to say, but, but I, uh, I wanted to, to bring up that, that kind of final thing and it, 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 the, the final segment, that Christmas party. Which is, God, yeah. is amazing. And, and there's stuff on the, and, and you know, I, I recommend anybody that listens to this that, that gets something out of this uh, discussion and, and wants to seek out this film is to get the DVD and watch the extra features on it because it has an extended yes. yeah. version of that. And, and man, the, the, the camera panning around to all the people in that room. And, you know, and also we haven't talked about Rodney Crowell. I mean, that, that uh, 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 you know, that Blueberry Wine song is just amazing. Mm. Um, but, uh, but those guys, you know, doing their thing in that environment where it's just like, that, I mean, that's a party I'd like to go to, but, uh, um, but that, that Steve Earl is in, um, 
baby is in face. This movie. He's he's seventeen years old. Mm. You know, and and for both Rodney Crowell and uh, Steve Earle, that's this is the first recording of them. And wow. and uh, um, yeah. so, but but it's in the, in the, right the there, isn't it? Yeah, and in the bonus features of it, it's got a seventeen-year-old Steve Earle doing that mercenary song, uh, song which is like a, uh, it's a you know Civil War song or whatever. But I mean, that was that came out. I mean, it was first released on that uh, Train of Coming record, which was his first post-jail record, that that acoustic record that he did with Norman Blake, and mm-hmm. I can't, you know, I mean, all those bluegrass guys that I, I can't remember the other dudes that were on the album. But I mean, just what an insane record. Um, but that dude wrote that song when he was 17 years old. You know, it's it's just it's it's incredible, and and you know, and, and that's another thing that shows that that um, lineage, and you know, all these people, like-minded people that are, are uh, you know, just taking their uh, their influences and and uh, and making them their own. You know, right. so I don't know. I guess that's my final thought about it. I, it's it's. I, I just I think it's a wonderful film. Again, like I said, outside of the kids, all right, I'll, I'll give you that. It, it, <laughs> it is my favorite. Uh, it, it, it's Harwin Highways is my favorite uh, music documentary. I mean, for every reason that we've talked about it, and I, I just I, I adore both of you guys for for uh, letting me on to, to talk about it because uh, it, it's it's it's, it's it, it, well, I mean, I think we're all on the exact same page. So. Oh, absolutely, our, our privilege to have you on, Davey. And look, yeah, so. Um, a, a two thumbs up from uh, all of us, yeah. I think, would be fair to say. Uh, just, oh, easily, uh, easily. Uh, I mean, I, we could we I, could go through every scene in the film, couldn't we? Because yeah. it's just. Oh, so, well, no, I, I wrote my, all my notes are every. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you see, but, but, uh, and if you have if you haven't seen the film out there, it is that sort of film where you do scene by scene if you if you wanted to take that approach because it's you know it's not a narrative, it's not like a beginning to end, it's just a whole bunch of things strung together, but it still seems but, to work as a whole because it's presenting well, a mood. It's wistful, it's melancholia, me- 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 melancholic. Uh, I don't know what the, what I'm saying. It's too late. Uh, but um, there's yeah, just be prepared to watch this and be touched by what you see. Uh, and you know, even if you're not traditionally a country fan, just get into the spirit of this and you'll find that these songs will do something to you and the, the these people's stories will um, will touch you. And even David Allen Coe will you know, give <laughs> you five minutes of cathartic, what the fuck, uh, yeah. sort of feeling. It, it, it's all good. It's all good. So yeah, definitely two thumbs up from all of us. Okay, so I'm going to finish it off there. I just want to give two quick announcements. One is a bit of a shout-out to a fellow called Luke. I've forgotten his surname, but uh, Luke, if you're listening out there, he is the host of a new uh, album discussion podcast called The Second Spin. And the uh, idea behind it is he, he'll pick albums by, uh, you know, I guess, established artists, or maybe even sometimes non-established artists, I'm not sure, uh, but albums that might have slipped by, you know, you might have forgotten about or might be under your radar or might have been critically panned at the time. And he's still like doing a reassessment of it many years later. So he's uh, done in the first episode, he's covered Judas Priest's Turbo album from somewhere in the mid 80s. And the second episode, which I believe he's editing now, is going to be covering The Doors, The Soft Parade. So that'll probably be out sometime this week or well i don't know whenever it is that you're listening to this podcast it'll be sometime uh late august 2014 and the second thing is uh, uh september's episode of see here we're going to uh 
uh, revert back to the film that we were going to originally discuss in August, which is um, Allegro non Troppo by the director Bruno Bozzetto from uh, 1976, 1977, an Italian film. If uh, you want to play along, uh, please watch that, but also watch rewatch Fantasia uh, because this is, I guess, a bit of a no, maybe a parody or an affectionate tribute to Fantasia. But anyway, um, see what you think. Uh, we'll be discussing that sometime in September. Hopefully with the full crew. It'd be lovely to have all of them on board. Uh, Wendy sent a message to us while we were recording saying something to the words, to the effect of, Fuck! I slept through. So, um, I don't know. I don't know what we, we love do. you. We, we, we love you, Wendy, <laughs> but you really need a better alarm clock. Do you know, if it, if it was anyone else other than Wendy, they'd be out. But Wendy, you know, yeah. what are we going to do? She's uh, she's the best. So. She, she's she's the uh, glue that binds this show together, really. She is, it? absolutely. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. it'd just be, you know, th- uh, three guys just harping on. But, you know, three guys and a girl. It's it's, it's what we need. <laughs> three Jacks and a Jill. Uh, yes, <laughs> that, it, it, indeed, indeed. All right, uh, so um, once again, Dave... Thank you so much for uh, giving us your time and your thoughts on uh, on this film. You've made this yeah, I, um, I conversation just, really special. I wanted oh, to say thank you thanks, so for coming, thanks for coming on, Dave, as well. It's been great to uh, finally speak to you and talk about such an awesome uh, film. So, uh, yeah, thanks very much. So we'll be seeing you uh, or speaking to you all uh, next month in September with Allegra and Entropo. Until then, listen to some great music, watch some great films, and just generally be nice to each other. Okay, till then. Be well. Cheers. the American dream, the big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shot? Would they shot? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.